Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the New Year Same Me podcast. This podcast is meant to be informational and educational, but also meant to bring to light some of the real hurdles that real people go through in their wellness journey. Some of these episodes might be a trigger warning, but I promise it's for a meaningful purpose. As always, I'm your host, Mish. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so we are here today with um, a really exceptional story um, from somebody that I have known a very long time. Um, she is an entrepreneur. She is a nonprofit um, starter, founder, I guess is the word that you call it. She's a single mom and just basically a badass bitch. Um, so I'm really pleased to welcome my guest today, Stephanie Strong. Oh, well, thank you for that introduction. Mm -hmm. I need to get this recording and play that every time I walk into a room now. (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much. So uh, we're here today kind of just to bring to light some of the uh, tribulations that people go through, especially in like a wellness journey. And one of the things that I think is one of the biggest obstacles for people is trauma and kind of the effect that it has on their lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Trauma is a huge thing that happens um, to be a big barrier, I think, for a lot of people, um, especially when they experience trauma young and trauma comes in so many different forms to um, any anything from like a car accident to mm-hmm. like um, external factors. And, you know, in my case, like I grew up around trauma all like it was my everyday life. And I didn't even realize it until I was like late into my 20s. Um, yeah. The impact and the effect that it really had on me. And um, and it's just really interesting Um to hear about these stories and then go through just a journey of, um, for me, like just self-love and self-care and like really just putting myself ahead of the trauma and realizing the impact and understanding the impact and then going through it. Um, I grew up in a home with alcoholics and addicts. Both of my parents were, Mm -hmm. and it was literally a constant party nonstop. 24 seven, um, from the time I was born until, you know, after I left home and, um, and even after that in, in, in the home with my siblings and everything. So yeah, we, I experienced trauma and the effect of, um, just having parents that, you know, I never really thought that they didn't care about me. I've never got the feeling that I wasn't cared for or taken care of but I realize now that I'm older and also understanding that um I actually have a lot of memory issues as it relates to what happened to me as a kid when you Um, say memory issues you mean like you suppressed them yeah like I've I've suppressed probably like 80 percent of my childhood oh wow um and that's just a best guess based upon the little things that I can remember here and there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, we all have different, different reactions as human beings to trauma, especially, um, childhood trauma. And my reaction was to suppress everything. Yeah. I guess save your, save yourself kind of thing, fight or flight. Very much so. And very much like, um, I have to remember this differently because if I remembered it, you know, as it was, I don't know, like, I think my body just felt like 
or my mind felt like I wasn't going to be able to deal with the trauma. Yeah. And learning about things that others experienced that happened to me that I don't even remember or recall and still don't remember or recall even after being told them. Um, as an adult, um, that literally like two years ago, three years ago, um, someone told something to me um, that they walked in on. And it was a sexual trauma of me as a kid, like in the fifth grade. And I don't remember it. I still don't remember it. I've literally tried to recall it and still cannot bring it to the forefront of my mind. And I, you know, this person has all the credibility in the world. So I know that this actually did happen to me. And so just understanding like where I came from and the things that have happened to me and, and how this trauma has played an impact in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, today I don't remember things that happened last week. My brain likes to block things out constantly. Um, you know, and I have to, I've learned to keep a really close track on the things that I commit to doing and the things that I say I, I want to do with people. And um, I'm actually starting to learn how to run my life out of a calendar now so that I can remember these things. Wow. But it's um, it's really carried on into my adulthood life in little things that you would never expect. Like um, I was going to change the laundry and mm-hmm. then totally forgot that I said I was going to do that and mm-hmm. then left the house and then forgot that I even did a load of laundry. It's and, almost like that yeah. fight or flight response had a permanent effect on your brain absolutely permanent damage yeah it absolutely did and now that I'm more aware of that I can um I can manage it better and I can set like I set a lot of reminders for myself um and I write a lot of lists and I make sure that like when I write the lists that I can it's kind of like a daily practice of like okay, what did I say I was going to do today? And what did I commit to? And if I get away from that, um, you know, the impacts in my life are tremendous. I piss a lot of people off. (laughs) This is no bullshit podcast. I can cuss on this. Um, I piss a lot of people off because I say I'm going to do something and then my brain triggers and I end up doing other things. And I come off as being super impulsive and super um, selfish. And I don't ever mean to be that way. I don't ever mean to be selfish. I'm actually like a really altruistic person. I started a nonprofit for Christ's yeah. sakes. But like, um, it's almost like, you know, like a burn victim, you can see their trauma on their skin. Right. But you can't see yours Yeah. on the outside, you know, to know that this is what's happening. It's not you being shitty. It's that you know, you had this permanent damage. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it is very, very, very much permanent. And it's very much something that I feel like if you ever want to move forward as a person, you just have to acknowledge and mm-hmm. own it and take responsibility for the trauma that it is. I mean, no, I did not commit the trauma to myself. I didn't decide to live in an alcoholic household as a kid, right? Right. But I do have to acknowledge that I have responsibility in managing Mm -hmm. what my body response has been and my mental response has been to that trauma. And, you know, acknowledging that a big shift for me was about a year and a half ago. I acknowledged that I made up so many things about myself and the world around me when I was living in that trauma. Yeah. And I made it up as a kid, as a five-year-old little kid, and I was living my entire life as if that was true. Yeah. And 
you know, coming to terms and realization with the grip of like, you know, um, I think it's this human condition of like, whatever's going on in my world is the world. And that's how it is, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and, and realizing that no, like, I made that up. And I created that people didn't love me that I wasn't worth being loved. Those those were my things that I made up about myself. And when I shifted that, it was like almost an instant. And I do mean instant. I mean, like within 30 seconds, I went from being a person who felt like I didn't have any friends and felt like the world was against me to a person who had value mm-hmm. and could see that others could see my value and that I was really the one pushing them away. Yeah. And I'm like, in tears telling you this now because it was such a huge shift for me i mean but this is real this is what there's what like a billion people on the earth that probably hide that Mm -hmm. you know and choose to take those actions and turn them into negative things yeah i mean i think sometimes it's not knowing that that is the case right like Mm -hmm. it's just not knowing that you made that up when you were five yeah and that you still believe it now and not seeing it right and sometimes it's absolutely choosing to be you know in the wrong I mean there's nights that I choose to get drunk yeah (laughs) right yeah and I had alcoholic parents but I don't consider myself an alcoholic but um there's nights that I choose to not walk in my most powerful way of being yeah and my most powerful way of communicating with people and being with people and giving back to the people in my life Mm -hmm. and understanding that when I give back that they give back to me Mm -hmm. you know and then most of the time now I I choose and actively choose to be kind of in my most powerful way of being and not at the effect of whatever's going on and whatever is happening and just understanding like that these outside influences are there and I can choose to incorporate them and I can choose to not incorporate them yeah and so we're going to we're going to come back to this part in a minute but you are you are a single parent now. So mm-hmm. you know you are um you have a daughter and you choose to change change that path of the mm-hmm. way you were treated by your parents and to move forward. Yeah, you know it didn't start that way. I I wish I could say is the moment I had a daughter I was a totally different person, but I can't say that if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, I had a daughter and then I decided that... How old were you? I was 21 Mm -hmm. when I had her. So you were a baby. Yeah, and and I had a chip on my shoulder about it because I felt like I was being responsible, which, you know, in hindsight, I wasn't. But I felt like I was being responsible because of, um, you know, utilizing birth control and and trying to be careful about that. But in, in actuality, I was not being as responsible as I could have been in that area. So, so she was not planned? No. No. <laughs> no. Um, I could tell you the story, but, but after, you know, multiple forms of birth control and being irres- – I mean, it wasn't really an irresponsibility thing as far as, like, taking the forms of birth control and mm-hmm. using them. It was more an irresponsibility in the act out of going out and partying and, mm-hmm. and um, casually – sleeping around Mm -hmm. and that irresponsibility led me to having a huge chip on my shoulder about the fact that I had just turned 21 and got pregnant and screw that like you know I didn't drink during my pregnancy because I that's messed up but as soon as she was born and I I was done you know with the initial breastfeeding stage I went on to party a lot and I actually left my daughter in the care of my mom and 
look, I say this, I love my mom. She's my mother. She gave me life in her own way. She gave me a house to always live in. I never lived on the street, never lived out of a car. There's a lot of things that I were nev- was never exposed to as a child. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just my mom's doing. It was a lot of people in my life's doing. And it does take a village, you know, to Ruin make that happen. a child's hap- life. Well, to ruin a child's life, but also yeah. to help a child's life, you yes. know. I mean, more talking in the effect of um, they had outside help from my dad's parents and mm-hmm. and things that always made sure that I had a house over my head, I had clothes to wear, I had food to eat. Yeah. So from a basic survival standpoint, everything was taken care of. But from an emotional standpoint, nothing was taken care of. And when I became a mom, the first couple of years of my daughter's life, I did not take care of her emotionally. I could have. And I, you know, I realized when she was young, I want to say she was like two years old. And I let my mom watch my daughter when I went to work, knowing that she still drank, knowing that she partied a lot. My dad was really sick at the time, really sick at the time. And she, my mom was avoiding that. So she was out partying a lot. And so what happened is she left my daughter with somebody that I knew was an intense crack addict and um, left my daughter with her, was supposed to be for 30 minutes, and it was like the whole day. With a known crack addict. With a known crack addict, yep. And then told this person that if she had an issue with watching my daughter for that long, that she could drop her off over at a house that my mom was at, also doing the same drug. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it really woke me up to the fact that, oh my God, I'm being completely irresponsible with my daughter's life here and my daughter's well-being. And due to that fact, like she's going through things that I went through as a child that I, some of it I don't even remember, but some of it I do. And the parts I do remember, they're not all pretty rainbows and butterflies well, and kisses. Tumultuous you know? and Very much shitty. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I had to take responsibility for that. And so like, yeah, the trauma in part led to bad decisions. But there comes a certain point in your life where you cannot blame all of your bad decisions on trauma. You have to take responsibility and mm-hmm. you have to like really just sort of step up for the cause. And like, are you going to be that person mm-hmm. or are you going to be a shitty person? And you get to choose, you know. It is a choice. Yep. yep. And it's a choice every single moment, too. It's not like just one choice that you made that I made when I was 23 and my daughter was two years old it's a choice that I have to make every single day so how about when you were younger so before your daughter was born Mm -hmm. you know you were living in this traumatic experience and this is kind of just life to you how did that affect like your friendships and you know people in your life and as a child still living at home interesting so we also moved around a lot when I was a kid so my, my dad was an incredibly smart human being, and he um, he worked in computer programming in the 90s, like the 80s and 90s when it was brand yeah. new and Foreign language. super innovative, and you know not everybody did it. So he was able to get these really amazing jobs, like Northrop Grumman, State of California. Yeah. I mean, amazing jobs that um, he would land in the six figures in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, it's still pretty decent money, but it was really decent money back in the early 90s. And then um, because he was an alcoholic, he would show up to work drunk and then he would lose his job and then he would get another really amazing job. And so we would move for his amazing jobs mm-hmm. and then repeat the process every year to year and a half, really. Right, because it's the 90s, so... You know, they don't know you were fired for being a drunk. They just know, you Mm -hmm. know, you left. Here's my paper resume. (laughs) Here's my paper resume. There's no LinkedIn. There's no reviews that you can Mm -hmm. say. I give you the personal reviews that I have. And 
you know, the story is what I make it yep. to be. So, and my dad, for all of his faults, was also an incredibly personable person. Yeah. I mean, as an alcoholic, he was able to get a liver transplant, which if you are in the transplant world, you know that they don't give. That's unheard of. Yeah, it's unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. You know, I mean, and the reasons are because they continue to drink, which my dad did and then eventually passed away. But yeah, I mean, that it that just speaks to the kind of friendly person that he was that everyone loved. Everyone loved him. It's almost a narcissistic trait, right? You know, it's yeah. uh, I'm this friendly, awesome person, but, you know, deep down, I'm ruining my family's life. Yeah, and... And I would say I don't know that he was actively choosing to ruin yeah. his family's life. Yeah. You know, I think um, he just wasn't taking responsibility for the fact that he was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I fully believe alcoholism is a disease. It's it's a totally different thing. Yeah, I believe that, so too. That you go through. It's a chemical thing in the brain. Um, I fully believe it's a disease. And he had a choice to either take care of the disease or ignore it. And he chose to ignore it. And there were consequences to that that yeah. played in other people's lives. And so, um, so yeah, so with, you know, in regards to friendships, um, I actually feel like I make friendships easily, like the very like surface level talking to people, mm-hmm. getting to know people, exchanging the phone number, you know, the surface level friendship mm-hmm. I make very, very deeply, but I think, you know, part of it due to because we moved around a lot. The other part of it was just because um, I didn't realize it when I was a kid, but a lot of parents realized who my parents were really quickly and wouldn't let their kids come hang out. So you didn't and have so a lot of friends. I had a lot of surface level friends. Mm-hmm. I had the people that I saw at school that I gave hugs to, but never hung out with outside of school because yeah. their parents didn't want them in that environment, understandably. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I still struggle with having deep friendships. And, you know, I think a lot of people talk about having the few strong friendships versus the many. Quality over quantity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do have some quality friends. I have a best friend that I've had since I was in the fourth grade. I've known for a really long time. And obviously we, um, we communicate very well. We had a we've had rocky areas, but we've been able to get through it. Mm -hmm. I think part of that is due to the fact that her, both her parents were also alcoholics. And so, yeah, um, we relate on a level that I don't relate to a lot of people who haven't gone through that situation before. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like, um, deep, deep, deep relationships, I mean, I only started having a deep, meaningful relationship with my sister even two years ago. Yeah. You know, and She's been in my life since she was born. (laughs) And um, I've only had that kind of deep, meaningful relationship until very recently. And I think, you know, part of that was I didn't realize how much exactly my brain blocked out that her brain didn't. And -hmm. part of that was um, just the inability to, like, really learn those skills as a young as a young kid. Mm -hmm. And makes uh, a lot of sense. Yeah. And so I, you know, I still struggle with it. Um, I struggle with love relationships, period. I mean, I still don't have a boyfriend. I haven't had a long-term boyfriend in a long time. Um, part of that is a choice. I choose not to. Um, is that part of that fight or flight response? Uh, yeah. So part of it is a choice because, um, 
of some trauma that happened in a previous love relationship as it relates to my daughter. And part of it is because I really just don't know how to create a deeper, meaningful relationship in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. I know how to be like impulsive and attached and jealous. Yeah. (laughs) Those are not healthy ways of creating relationships. So, (laughs) um, so, you know, um, it's just things that I'm still learning and I'm still learning about myself and, I think, you know, over the past couple of years, I've been very um, intentional about recognizing those things in myself. Good. So. Okay. So then, you know, traumatic several years of your life, you kind of move on as a young adult. And then what happens? Yeah. You um, have a daughter. Well, you know, I mean, trauma happens and can happen in any stage of your life, right? Right. It can totally uproot what you're going in. Um, for me, I've had traumatic experiences at, outside of my family um, over and over again in my life. And I realize now, like as a recurring conversation in my life, that I have some responsibility. I don't have responsibility for the actions that others took against me. Right. But I do have responsibility for things in my life that I could have done differently. Yeah. Or I could have taken responsible responsibility for like things that I actually could have taken responsibility for. Mm-hmm. And knowing that like, you know, going out by myself um, because I had acquaintances at the bar wasn't the best thing for myself in my life. Yeah. Um, through all of these stages, I did grow, like I did have this growth kind of slow growth of, decided my parents weren't going to be a great option for my daughter's childcare. So I moved out. I got my own place. I, I worked with the state of California and um, other resources that were made available to me as a single parent to set my daughter up in a healthy environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then still chose not to love myself. So, yeah, I get know. that. Um, um, and so went through that for a while and then, um, you know, years and years later realized that what I was doing in the certain city that I was at and and the choices that I was making with the friends that I had and, and um, you know, letting some of my family members even kind of walk all over me mm-hmm. wasn't healthy for myself. And, and then anything that's not healthy for me, I've come to realize is also not healthy for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And so I made the big decision to move from California to Denver, which was a huge decision for me. Mm-hmm. I left, ev- I mean, I left everything behind and didn't have a job to come to. I did have godparents who were amazing, who supported me for the few months that I was job searching when I moved out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did have some, some support in that and um, have made small strides towards like improvement and building things, um, getting better and better jobs, and then ultimately landing, you know, where I have now is that I'm launching really myself as the product Mm -hmm. and also bringing in this whole nonprofit realm. Now, I've always, I've volunteered and been involved in nonprofit for over a decade, but like launching my own nonprofit has been an experience over the past year and a half that Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing like it. So yeah, I've taken this trauma and, and Prior to me realizing all of the things that I've blocked out, not necessarily the things that I've blocked out, but the fact that I have Mm -hmm. blocked things out and the fact that that still plays in my everyday life. So prior to me realizing that, I sort of use this fight or or flight to make my life work. Mm 
mm-hmm. like sort of force it to work, mm-hmm. which wasn't working very well, but it was working. It's kind of like the um, like the best analogy I can give you is like the beater car driving down the road that has like things taped <laughs> inside the engine, you know, like, oh, shoot, I have a leak. Let's tape the hose, <laughs> you know, like that fucking uh, like, yeah, the one that's like smoking and shit flying off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's barely making it down the road. It's going, though, <laughs> but it's barely making it down the road. So that's kind of like how I, I mean, like, that's like the perfect image of my life prior to me taking the responsibility for how trauma has played a yeah. role and how, and how I react to things. Um, and so, you know, um, it's, you know, and then, and then I decided to, to, to take that car into one of those, like, what are they called? Um, like pimp my ride? No, no, not <laughs> quite pimp my ride yet. No, no, no. I went to a, a sleazy sales mechanic and, oh, yeah. and, uh, and got some fixes there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't smoking down the road anymore, but it still <laughs> wasn't great. Still you know? rocky. Yep. 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 And then, um, you know, I think when I moved to Denver, uh, in relation to this car, it could probably be like just selling that car on Craigslist and <laughs> buying a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> um, wasn't it, easy, but you were still moving. Wasn't easy, but yeah. I was still moving. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, just riding the bicycle and and say and saving money and just kind of deciding what I wanted to do from there as opposed to like just making it work and trying to force it to work oh yeah I can relate to that yeah that's yeah um so I was listening to a different podcast because I am a podcast junkie and uh there's this guest on this podcast that I listened to and she is uh she's a celebrity and she's a domestic abuse survivor um so just like me so i was in abusive relationships one of the worst moments of my life um it really really wrecked kind of my well-being and uh, just everything like it it fucked me up um since then i've moved on and i have you know found self-love because of that i'm actually thankful for that um But so in relation to that, like what kind of, you know, self-care now is there? What is the after trauma self-care, you know, for people that go through things like this and then now are just starting to, you know, rise out of the ashes? Like what Mm. now? Where do you go? Like where do you go to keep that forward momentum? Yeah. Um, Well, I'll talk about how it happened for me. And uh, maybe try to shed some light in that area. Um, for me, after I moved to Denver, I um, I still had issue like connecting with people, building friendships and relationships. I was still doing a lot of really self destructive behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, going out a lot and drinking. My daughter was safe, but I was not being safe. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up in a relationship and I do say ended up because I kind of just had this attachment of this guy likes me oh my god he likes me so I'm gonna like him Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah and um and so I ended up in this and it was a short relationship over the course of a couple of months that ended very abruptly this was what I was kind of alluding to before of like what had happened with my daughter and this relationship so that was this relationship Mm -hmm. um and I went through an 
a whole like where I doubted myself as a person and being able to choose people correctly and Mm -hmm. being able to actually be there for my daughter. And, and, um, I went through a lot of feelings of like, I still wanted this person even after the knowledge of everything coming out and, um, and how shitty that was Mm -hmm. and how much I hated myself for that. And like what I realized now is I just really wanted somebody to love me because I didn't even love me. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't necessarily that person. It was just somebody, anybody. And this person was showing that. And so I just wanted that. Yep. And I had come to a point in my life where I was actually having suicidal thoughts and I was not making plans of action or anything around those thoughts because I had a daughter who needed me and needed a provider and I was her provider. I'm her sole provider. So I was in a really bad spot and this was a year and a half. This was right before I started the nonprofit. So this was like a year and a half to almost two years ago. And I was in a really bad place. I was um, having these thoughts and I would have, I mean, I would literally have thoughts that said, my daughter's eight She'll be 18 in 10 years, good to go. Wow. And, I, and I had a timestamp on my life. And um, a friend of mine introduced me to the Landmark Forum, which is, um, it's like transformational learning. It's really, it's incredibly hard to explain. But what I can explain is what I got out of it. So yeah. I went to an introduction for the Landmark Forum. And I got that there was actually a possibility possibility of life for me outside of all of these thoughts and beliefs that I had. And I realized that there was something that I could do. So I went and I sat there the first day and I talked about this before, but I got that when I was five, I made up a story that I wasn't worth being loved because of all the things that I'd been through. Mm -hmm. And I got that because I made up that story, I looked for evidence for this for my entire life. So I'd find evidence that I wasn't worth being loved and then I'd say I wasn't worth being loved and then I'd look for evidence and then I'd find evidence because you look you find the things that you look for yeah there's a there's a saying and I always fuck it up but it's if you knew how powerful your thoughts were and how they actually control your day Mm -hmm. you would be a lot more mindful of it yep there's a much more like methodical fucking like it's it's not all like screwed up like that but you get what i'm saying someone else says it more eloquently but that's okay (laughs) this is no bullshit so (laughs) um yeah no exactly and i also learned that um in the landmark forum that uh us as human beings we add meaning to things that have absolutely Mm -hmm. no meaning i mean take um spilling coffee on your shirt at the beginning of the day and how people say, oh, great, I'm going to have a horrible rest of the day. Right. Why? Because you spilled a couple drops of coffee on your yeah. shirt? Like, who fucking cares? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, um, anyway, it, for me, it was pivotal. And it was life-changing for yeah. me. And it was, um, I realized that I could choose to say, well, fuck that. I made that up that I wasn't worth being loved. I am worth being loved. Yeah. And look for evidence in that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, um, when I say it was an instant transformation, this course is a weekend long course. It runs Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This was on Friday. And literally a half an hour later, people who were in my course that had not known me previous. I mean, I didn't know anyone. I wasn't friends with anyone that was in my course Mm -hmm. um, would look at me and say, you look like a completely different person. And people were actually asking me if um, 
if I was paid to do that, oh, <laughs> which is really funny to me because I absolutely was not. Um, it just worked on you so well. It worked it, so yeah. well, and people saw, and they saw the instant transformation. Like, yeah, people who did not know me saw physically the instant transformation. It's like you know, if you were a cartoon, you know, you had that fucking gray cloud with rain that one like it's sunny but you have the only gray cloud above your head right, <laughs> right. and it's just following you around and then the gray, gray cloud goes away and now you're, yeah yep so exactly yeah i mean exactly like that and it was instant and um and the funny thing is is like none of my life circumstances changed mm-hmm. i didn't all of a sudden find a boyfriend you know yeah none of that changed what changed is me acknowledging that mm-hmm. i had done that for my entire life Mm -hmm. and that it was living my life as if that was not true Mm -hmm. or if that was true when in fact that's not there's no truth to that there's no truth to me not being worth worth being loved everyone is worth being loved yeah no matter what you are enough yeah you are enough yeah period and so um you know the steps for me of getting out of the ashes because I was really in my ashes moment there Mm -hmm. um was acknowledging that I had been living my life that way taking responsibility for that And the beautiful thing when you take responsibility and say, uh, you know, this is caused because of me, is that you actually have the power to change it. Mm -hmm. Because when it's caused by external forces, you cannot control that. You can only control yourself. Mm -hmm. And so the beautiful thing about that is I got that I can live my life in a different way. And since then, my life has been just utterly amazing. Yeah, Um, I know. I mean, you you literally are building an empire currently, you know, with your nonprofit and you know just what you became you got you became educated college educated got all these amazing jobs yeah yeah I I got my degree while I was like before that kind of life changing Mm -hmm. defining moment but um you know I mean a degree isn't the end all be all you you continue to learn you continue to change and Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of um transformational education over the past year and a half Started uh, my nonprofit project karaoke, which um, is a nonprofit for nonprofits. So we mm-hmm. raise funds for other nonprofits so they can focus more on their mission. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of becoming like the wind under the wings, yeah. if you will. To just raise other people up to mm-hmm. that's probably the most selfless business model I've ever seen ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, it's a lot of work. I'm not going to say it. It's there's days where I'm like questioning why I decided to do this and mm-hmm. what I went through. And, um, you know, I always just come back to, I am worth it and they are worth it. Worthiness. Yeah. That is, that's always what it circles back to is worthiness and that, you know, no matter what you've been through, no matter, you know, you were knocked out dragged down whatever the fuck that saying is you are worthy right no matter how much mud you ended up getting on your face you Mm -hmm. are worthy yes and so i think that's that's just an important thing that a lot of people forget especially people who are survivors of trauma Mm -hmm. you know whether it be in their past like you whether it be you know in their adult life like me Mm -hmm. and you can and it's like you said it's your choice now yeah. take it put it in the past or even before you before take it to recognize it right like you said like you have to unblock your mind for a minute even though you don't want to and those are horrible things mm-hmm. 
but use them now to drive it in a positive way. Yeah, and also, I mean, I think it's important to outline, like, you know, if you're 60 years old and you're sitting here listening to this and you're like, man, I've been doing this shit for 60 years, like, recognize that that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, how you've lived your life up until now, it's okay. There's, it's not a race to wellness. It's not a race to... to right, we all have our own journeys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all have our own journeys and we all have our own paths. And... From the moment you decide to recognize it and, and take it on, one, that's your like transformational moment. But mm -hmm. two, whatever that moment is in your life, you know, for me, I was 31. Um, for you, you might be 15 or you might be 80. Right. And that's okay. Like just recognizing that we're all human and we all have these things. And you may not have known up until this point that you even had this block. Right. And so it's okay to just say in the moment of wherever you are in your life, in your journey, in your journey to wellness. And for me, mine was a, is a wellness around self-love mm -hmm. and mental health. Um, it's, it's okay to just give yourself leave for being a human being mm -hmm. for this long and like stepping into your power of understanding the choice. Like I think a lot of people shy away from or maybe just have um, an adverse reaction to hearing that you have a choice to changing these things in your life. You know, because how can you change what somebody else has done to you? You can't. But um, the power in, in like choosing where your life goes next is that you have the actual power to change it mm -hmm. and I think it's really hard to like look at yourself and be like I can be responsible for feeling like I'm not loved right it's really hard to actually look at yourself and say that and say that I haven't been responsible I created that I wasn't and I I'm the one that created all of that and no I'm not saying that the abuse may not have happened. And I'm not saying that, you know, what happened with my boyfriend and my daughter may not have happened. I'm not saying that all of the circumstances in my life may or may not have happened because of, of my, my choice and I'm not worth being loved. But I am saying that my reaction to those things and the quality of life that I have mm -hmm. changes when I take that step into taking responsibility for that. And advocate for yourself. And advocating for yourself and mm -hmm. advocating for those that are around you mm -hmm. and bringing light to the things that actually happen and, you know, and um, just and just taking actions for the betterment of your life and the lives of those around you. Well, super great to have you today. Um, so again, that was my friend Stephanie. Um, if you want to learn more about her, what she does with her nonprofit project, karaoke which is again a nonprofit that raises money for nonprofits there will be a link on our website www.wellness-onpurpose.com <laughs>